Welcome back to Locked On Red Sox on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Gabrielle, founder of Girl at the Game, and today is day three of podcasting in paradise. Yes, I am still in Mexico. No, baseball is not back. But before we found out that baseball was going away, Kevin over at Locked On Rays and I recorded a great conversation for you guys. And even though it's a little bit outdated, well, probably super outdated, given the way that we receive news now, I still want to share it because we had so much fun talking about all things AL East. But before I do that, I just want to remind you that you can always listen to this podcast on your smart device just by asking it to play the latest episode of Locked On Red Sox. And that includes Alexa and home devices. And of course, your second reminder is to go wash your hands. And now for a crossover between Locked On Red Sox and Locked On Rays. It should be a very interesting season in the AL East for the Rays, the Red Sox, and and all the other teams. I've got to be honest, Rays fans and I'm sure other AL East teams are kind of nipping at the bud to kind of dig it in on the Red Sox this year. Um, My co-host and I, we were kind of, I know like there's thrown out a lot of over-unders on what each team could do this year, but realistically, from a Red Sox point of view, what do you think they they're going to do you think they're going to be 500 under 500 85 games more than that kind of where are you at with this team right now even with all the injury concerns and everything you know the seasons are so unpredictable like no one thought that the Orioles were going to be as bad as they were in 2018 like that was a horrific collapse and no one thought the Red Sox were going to be as good as they were in 2018 and you know, injuries play a huge part in how a season plays out. Like in 2018, they got lucky. Their pitching staff just was so healthy the whole year. And that was like the main reason why they were so good, unless they were cheating. And then that's probably the main reason that they were so good. (laughs) But (laughs) for example, like the minute the Yankees got Garrett Cole this offseason, they were projected to win like 120 games and win the AL East, win, you know, the pennant, win the World Series, and then all of a sudden, like, everybody's injured, and now it's, you know, it's anybody's game, kind of. Mm -hmm. I hope the Red Sox just, like, finish with a 500 record. Just give me, like, a 500 record for the season, you know, I, that's all I want at this point is kind of, and that's kind of all I wanted last year too, because there was a point at the, uh, you know, end of the summer, kind of beginning of fall, where it was not even guaranteed that they were going to finish at 500 and they were the defending world series champions who'd won a franchise record 108 games like a year before and i was like just please please don't finish with a losing record the year after you set a franchise record for regular season wins like please just give me that but they had a full starting they had you know mookie bets and they had more pitching than they do now so honestly just give me that winning record that's all i want as for who's going to win the division, it could be you guys. Um, I also wouldn't sleep on the Blue Jays. They got some good pitching this year. Ryu was a strong National League Cy Young contender for a large chunk of last year. I got to see him pitch in L.A. when I was still living there. And I was actually at his game where he had a complete game shutout on like 95 pitches. He's great. And that's really what they've been missing is they've been missing good starting pitching. So I think they're going to be a lot better this year than they were last year too, especially since a lot of their young players who were showing flashes of brilliance last year have now begun to come into their own even more. 
So, I mean, and plus, you know, I'm going to root for anyone who's not the Yankees to win the division. So if it's you guys, if it's the Blue Jays, like, I'll root, I'll bandwagon the hell out of it, you know? Hey, I'll, I'll take that too. I'll take that. It's funny because I do, I agree with you completely on the Blue Jays. I think, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team this year, but I really do think they're, they are going to surprise some people and have at least a winning record. I mean, um, if, if I was to make standings right now, I'd probably put Yankees at the top, Rays behind them, then Blue Jays, then kind of, I think the Red Sox and Blue Jays could really be similar record wise this year. And then of course you've got the Orioles, which I mean, if they win 60 games, that'd be an accomplishment for them. But yeah, the Blue Jays always give the Rays fits. Those young players are getting better a year later with them. And they've got this, this kid who's actually from the Tampa area named Nate Pearson, who throws like 104 and they're probably going to call him up at some point. So they're going to be a dangerous team. At the very least, they're going to be uh, aggravators to the Yankees and, and the Rays and the Red Sox and every other team, in the division, as far as like, it won't be an easy automatic win. And you mentioned cheating. I didn't mention it. You mentioned it. What do you see coming out of this cheating probe with the Red Sox? Like what type of punishment do you think they deserve? And, and, or what do you think they're going to get? Even after all the, the Astro stuff, people are kind of moving on from that now, focusing on the Red Sox. Um, just what, what are kind of your impressions of what's going to happen with all of that from your standpoint? Look, I, people are going to say that it's me being biased as a Red Sox fan. But the first thing I said when the allegations came out and the news broke that they were being investigated was that I don't want a championship that wasn't won fair and square. Like, that's my thing. I don't, you know, I love the Red Sox, but I have no problem being hard on them when they deserve it. And they've deserved it the last year. Like they've just made a lot of bad decisions. And if it turns Mm -hmm. out that they cheated, then they should be punished. But I definitely don't think that they were doing anything close to what the Astros were doing. What the Astros were doing was a highly convoluted, complex, and yet also simplistic with the trash cans. Like they had a very specific plan in place and what they were doing was just insane. And their lack of regard or concern for the opposing pitchers whose careers they were affecting, I find it reprehensible. I don't think the Red Sox were doing anything close to that. I think the Red Sox were doing what a lot of teams do, which is misusing their video replay room. And one of the problems is that a lot of people are not subscribed to the athletics, so they don't actually read the articles. They just see the headlines and then they go nuts. You know, the Yankees were named 70 plus times in that article, and it's known that they were doing exactly the same thing. And I think the problem is that if you're singling out the Red Sox and you're not actually just removing the video replay rooms or putting an MLB representative in each team's video replay room, this isn't going to stop. There was an American League executive who said sometimes all it takes is a player coming to a team from a different team and saying, I can't believe you guys are not doing this. Like this is something that a lot of teams are doing. This isn't like a Red Sox thing. And I think the two issues I have are that for one thing, the the investigation is now dragging on very long. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that, unfortunately, is because they bungled the Astros investigation and their subsequent PR about the investigation so badly that they don't want to mess it up a second time. And so the Red Sox are being investigated more heavily than the Astros, which I think is ridiculous. And the other thing is that 
it's hanging over the Red Sox head in spring training now in a way that it like, yes, the Astros are getting booed and whatever, but they deserve that. The players didn't actually get any punishment. So it's like, okay, you got to take your lumps, but to actually have the investigation pending hanging over a team's head is a punishment in itself. And that's what the Red Sox are dealing with right now. Like, how are they supposed to focus? It's like they already have enough to deal with. Interviewing them and being super obsessive about this for longer because you messed up a different investigation is not a reason to continue this investigation. Like, just investigate them and then get it over with. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you hate stepping on the scale? Maybe it's because you haven't met the right one. A company called Withings produced the world's first smart scale, and they're still the best. In fact, Tom's Guide rated the Withings Body Plus the best overall smart scale 2020. If you are looking to lose weight, willpower is key, but so is having the right tools. Withings smart skills are known for durability and an exceptional user-friendly design. Step on and data from every weigh-in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart skills don't have the Wi-Fi option and it means you need to have your phone on you, but Withings Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, even a local weather report. The scale can support up to eight users and even know who is who. So here's the deal. You can get 25% off a Withings Body Plus right now at withings.com for a very limited time. Go to withings.com, W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S.com backslash MLB to get 25% off Body Plus Body Composition Scale. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com backslash MLB to get 25% off Body Plus Body Composition Scale. One guy I really feel sorry for is former Rays executive Heim Bloom that he had to walk in and, and step into all this. Now, of course, he did take the, the Red Sox job, but I don't know if he was expecting he would have to deal with all this in addition oh, to the no injuries way. and everything as well. It's just crazy. <laughs> I was actually super excited about Heim Bloom's coming here for starters because I'm Jewish and he's Jewish. So that was like great. And his sister-in-law is actually the head of my high school. <laughs> wow. Small um, world. Because they're a they're a Lexington, Massachusetts family. So I was super excited that there was like a nice Jewish boy, you know, running the Red Sox, like young guy coming from the Rays, um, worked his way up in baseball and, you know, seems like a big baseball nerd. And I can relate to that. So I was I was like, that this is great. Like, this is the perfect guy to replace Dombrowski. I called him the anti Dombrowski. You know, he knows how to build a farm system. He knows how to work with not a lot of money, which. You know, the ridiculous thing is the Red Sox are acting like they have a raised budget when they don't. But, you know, if you want a guy who can work with a low budget, Chaim Bloom's your guy. But I feel like he's kind of in an unwinnable situation here because he's had so much thrown at him that no one could have expected. He came into this situation thinking like, okay, well, I've got this great manager, Cora, and then that blew up in his face like almost immediately And then he is told by ownership, you know, you got to get under the CBT, like not even the highest threshold, like the competitive balance threshold. And so he ships off Price and Mookie. But there have also been a lot of moments where I'm like, dude, what are you doing? The decisions that he's making, you know, he let Rick Porcello go away. And that was like a guy who is healthy every single year, you know, whether he's good or bad. Rick Porcello is healthy every single year. And that is such a rarity for a starting pitcher. Like he can go six, seven innings and he might not be very good, 
but at least he can literally pitch deep into a game. The Red Sox pretty much have no one else like that. And then, you know, you're watching other teams, like the Mets picked up um, Michael Waka. There are all these teams that were just like snapping up these affordable pitchers. And I was just kind of like, Heimblum, what are you doing? Like, you're you're just like letting all these guys go. And then, you know, the other day they DFA'd Hector Velasquez, who can be a starter, long reliever, you know, late game guy, closer guy. Like he was so versatile. And it's like of all the guys that you DFA, he's the guy. And now he's with the Orioles. I don't think Bloom. I think he's way in over his head. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, again, when you're going from the Rays where it's, he, they've got like 200 front office people and analytics guys that are all working together and all have this camaraderie. And then you've, you've been in that organization for so long and you step into such a big job with such a microscope on you. There definitely is, I think, uh, at least for Heim, there's going to be a learning curve there. The Red Sox still have an immense amount of talent. I think because this, the off season has been so traumatic for Red Sox fans, like it's kind of hard to remember how much they still have. But, you know, they have Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers, who were two of the best players offensively in baseball last year. Like Devers was a high candidate for AL MVP, and he led MLB in a lot of or was like top five and top 10 in a lot of offensive categories last year. And he's only 23 years old. And the Red Sox renewed his contract, and he's like a baby. He's like only just getting started. Xander's only like 26 years old, chose to sign an extension last year. He went to the Red Sox and was like, I want to get this done. I want to be here for a long time. And he definitely could have gotten more on the open market, but he wanted that extension. He signed it like the first week of the regular season. So they've got him for a long time. And uh, I'm actually really excited for Kevin Pillar to be on the Sox. He's a great outfielder and he's given them a lot of trouble over the years with the Blue Jays. Great pickup for them. It's just a matter of how bad or good the Red Sox pitching is. Right. Yeah. It's funny about Kevin Pillar because I was in the off season because we know about Kevin Kiermaier's injury history and he gets injured just about every year that I thought Kevin Pillar would have been a good backup signing or a good signing because he can still hit. He can still, he can still feel he is a clubhouse leader and he has familiarity with the ALEs like that. I think that's actually going to end up winding up being a really good signing for the Red Sox. And I think he'll probably make some really amazing plays and, and do some damage against the Rays as well. was just part one of my conversation with Kevin from Locked on Rays. It's so much fun getting to talk to other podcasters in the division because all of our games directly affect each other, or at least they will when baseball does eventually come back. When this episode is over, tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked on MLB, our podcast with all the national coverage of the best game in the world. Thanks so much for tuning in. Wash your hands, and as always, go Red Sox.